Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for each one here. You've handpicked each one that's here today to hear this particular chapter, this particular word. And we give you thanks. And pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So John 21, if you know the Gospel of John well, it's the last chapter. And, you know, a little bit of a wrapping of things up a little bit. The Lord has, in John we see chapters 13 through 17, 18, just the week before his crucifixion. And then we have his resurrection. So that's a big chunk of the Gospel of John. And then here we see he is resurrected. But what happened in those 40 days? So I guess commentaries, and and we can work through this because we know Pentecost is 50 days from the Lord's resurrection. And we believe for 40 days he was appearing in different ways. And then he ascended and then 10 days and then the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. And I was thinking we're in a little bit of a transition period before we head into some themes of the book of Acts in a couple weeks But we've just completed Easter, right? And we talked about the resurrection and the power of that. And last week, just followed that through through our story, through my story. And you all have a story yourself. And But what about now? Like before um, the ascension, what happened? And so we have this little brief description. And even in chapter 21, it points to this. It says in verse 1, after these things. So after all that's happened in the book of John before this point, leading up to the resurrection or the crucifixion, then the resurrection, and then even his appearing to the disciples, what happened? So after these things, it says in verse 1, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias or the Sea of Galilee, and in this way he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we are going with you also. And they went out immediately, got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. Now you might wonder, why were they in Galilee? That would be a good question. But if we go back in John's gospel, Jesus told them to go wait there. And he had instructed them to wait for him to appear to them. And so they were just doing what they were supposed to do, waiting in Galilee. But might have, you know, like, what do you do when you wait? And so what would have they known to do? I don't think this would be irregular or crazy. Some people say, well, why weren't they showing more faith? Why did they go fishing? Well, they were instructed to wait, so that's where they were before. They used to fish, so let's wait and work, right? And I think, personally, there's nothing wrong with that. Jesus says, as we're waiting for him to come back, we don't just wait on the couch twiddling our thumbs, right? We should do. And obviously, their call is going to change, and specifically Peter here. But while he's waiting for the Lord, he just does what he knows to do. He goes fishing. And as usual, because this is a little bit of a deja vu, because the story 
is somewhat similar, but not the same in Luke 5 when they were called originally. You might remember that. They were out fishing and Jesus appears to them the same way. And it says they caught nothing. I always make a joke. I don't know how they made a living because in the Bible, they're never catching fish. And they're fishermen. But here they are and Jesus appears to them. And I kind of want to follow along, and we look in Luke 5, and here in this chapter, two times more, he's going to use this phrase, follow me. You follow me. Follow me. What does that mean for us? Follow me. So Jesus appears to them. It's morning. He's standing on the shore in verse 4. Disciples don't recognize him. And he says to them in verse 5, Children, do you have any food? And they answered, no. So verse 6, he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. Now this is like the deja vu from Luke 5, the original. Kind of when it happened, it's happening again. So they cast, and now they're able to draw in a multitude of fish. So verse 7, therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord, like ding, you know, like, oh yeah, bang, that, it's got to be him, right? It's got to be the Lord. Remember he did that before? It's interesting he describes himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. What were the other guys? The disciples Jesus didn't love? <laughs> Now, he's the author of this, too, so maybe just playing in his own, like, yeah, like, oh, he loves me, right, more than you. I don't think that's his intention. You might have heard before, but it said that John is the apostle of love. It's not that Jesus loved him any more than the others, but he understood God's love maybe more. And so he describes this like, I know I'm loved. I'm the disciple. Does Jesus love any of you less? No, he loves you all the same. But I would say in this room, there's probably some who recognize and have received a little bit of that love a little bit more. And in his mind, he knows that, and that's how he describes himself. Now, Peter, and we know Peter. We know Peter's character, right? Like, if you follow along, Peter's kind of the guy who, if you're in a group, he's just going to say something stupid, right? He's going to step into things. He's never afraid. And just the chapter before, they hear from the women, Jesus, we saw he's not, he's not in, the, in the, the grave, the cave. Like, where is he? And John runs, gets there first. And, and Peter, he gets there. John stops at the door, looks in, a little more cautious. Not Peter. Just understand Peter's character. He barrels in. And that's just the way Peter is. And Peter, again, when John says... Oh, it's Jesus. He just jumps out of the boat, right? Um, it says, he puts on his outer garment, for he had removed it in verse 7, and he plunges into the sea. And they weren't that far away, verse 8. 200 cubits. They're not that far from, from shore, not a great distance, but he can't wait to see Jesus. Jumps right in. I always find it interesting. We usually take off some of our clothes to go swimming, but Peter puts his on. Um, but maybe just because fishing and 
that's the way it was. It's just a little different, and you put yourself a little bit into the culture. Like, why would he do that? But the most important thing to understand is he just wants to be with Jesus, and he can't wait another moment. Is that your heart today? I love Jesus as we look through here. You know, he's the one revealing himself. And he's the one saying, do you have any food? And he's the one who's going to have breakfast ready. And he's the one in Luke chapter 5, same miracle, who says, follow me. And he's going to say it again. I want you to know that Jesus is always pursuing us. Hello? Sometimes our Christianity becomes so much about us, we don't see him. And we're always talking about how we have to pursue him. And that's a scriptural thing. And I think we always have to seek him. And we have to seek him with our whole heart. But would you understand today that Jesus is always calling us? Come. Come. Follow. Come. And it's so important to see Jesus like that. Because if you don't, this Christianity can soon become all about you and not about him. I don't know, sometimes maybe you're like me, you're always ranking and rating how well you're doing. There's never, it's never a good thing. It's good to examine yourself, scripture calls that, but don't get too introspective, but look at our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Look at him. And know that he's calling you. And he is revealing himself to them. And he reveals himself to us. Just one note, and I've, I've talked about this quite a few times, and I don't necessarily want to stay here for a long time, but I don't want to say I don't want to talk, talk about it because I have in the past, because this is a crucial little story for me in how we minister here at Northgate. In Luke, as I mentioned before, when Jesus does this miracle, and this is the second time, Peter's response is not what it is here. Here he jumps out to be, right, with Jesus. But if you go all the way back to, to Luke, and maybe to give it a little more substance, I will read it. But he does this great miracle, and they bring in this fish just like here. In Luke 5, 4, he says, Launch out into the deep, let your nets for catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've told all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, so their nets were breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats, so they began to sink. And when Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, here's the part, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. Same miracle, done three years later. First response, depart from me. Second response, John 21, I can't wait to get near him. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. 
Peter spent time with Jesus. And when you spend time with Jesus, it's not about seeing your sin and how bad you are. It's seeing him and his forgiveness. And too many of us who claim to be disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ are pushing away from him because we see ourselves as failures. But that's why Jesus died for us. Now you think, well, Peter, maybe he was doing better at this point. No, no, no. Just, you know, days before, he had the worst moment where he denied and rejected the Lord Jesus Christ. So you can't say, oh, in three years, Peter just got to be a better person. And that's why he wanted to be with Jesus. No, no. He's coming off the heels of, you know, rooster crowing. I don't know that guy. And you remember the young servant girl? You're, yeah, I know your accent. I know. No. no. He's like, just even has a little swear in there if you read the story. He was so adamant. And he denied the Lord Jesus Christ. But you know, after that point, after the garden, what does he see? He sees Jesus. And I never get tired of saying this. And if you heard it before, listen to it again. In the midst of his greatest failure, it says, remember he was by the fire and Jesus was being tried before he went to be killed and they locked eyes. Jesus and Peter, they lock eyes. And Peter knows he's just denied him. Jesus didn't look at him saying, yeah, I told you so. Remember the upper room? You're like, well, they might deny you, but I'm not going to deny you. I'm Peter. Oh, no, you will. But you're going to fail. But you're going to blow it. And then he denies that look. Oh, I'm sure you've all experienced when Jesus looks at us in the midst of our failure and he says, I forgive you, died for you, I love you. Again, let's go back. It's not about you. It's about him. Don't get caught in your failure and your sin, but look at Christ in his perfection and his love for you. Could you imagine three years in the flesh being with Jesus? And Peter had experienced all of this. And he wants, he wants to be with the Lord. And he can't wait. And he jumps out of that boat. I know some of my kids have gone on long trips or I haven't seen Amy. There's just an excitement, right? I get to see them again. Here's Peter, the one he loved so much. He's just so excited to be with Jesus. And can I tell you, being with Jesus simply is discipleship. You know, that's a big word, right? We use discipleship. What is discipleship? Why do we say at Northgate we minister through discipleship? If I could tell you one thing, discipleship is simply this. It's being with him. Being his disciple. Desiring to be in the presence of the Lord in his word and prayer and walking with him. I want to be his disciple. And a disciple is with the master.
And Jesus is inviting you. And he's saying, come be with me. And you might say, no, I can't. Get away. You don't know what I've done. You don't know who I am. You don't know what my last week was. You don't know what my last year was. You don't know. And Jesus does. And he still invites you. Because of his love for you and his death on the cross. You can come into his presence. And you can receive grace and mercy. And there is nothing like that. Do you know every other religion in the world is about what we or people do to get. Christianity is the only one of what he's done. So we get. Discipleship. Can I tell you? Would you be with him? And the command to the disciples in Luke 5, and again, we're just going to read it here in a moment. He simply says to you, invites you. He says, follow me. Come this week. Be with me. Don't worry. Don't worry of who you think you are or what you've done. Come be with me. Well, we'll carry on because there's 153 fish that come out. Why 153? I was reading some commentaries. 153. What's the 153? And I loved one commentator's uh, statement in this. He's like, I don't know why 153, but why in the world did they even count? Then I thought, yeah, that's a good question. Why are they, why are, why are they counting? And maybe there's, uh, it's too smart for me. I don't know. I just know there's a lot of fish and they're going to eat some for breakfast. And so Jesus asked them to come. It says none of the disciples dared ask who he was. Who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. And it's interesting here because Sometimes it seems in the resurrected body, Jesus can reveal who he is and not. I don't know what that means for us at that point, as he's the first fruit and we will follow the resurrected body someday. But it's just curious because he does eat, which I'm thankful for, that someday we will not only eat here, but in eternity as well. And as we carry on, it says this is the third time Jesus showed himself in the midst of these 40 days since he was raised from the dead. And then we come uh, to this really interesting, and I know you've heard it, this story where Jesus has this little conversation with Peter. So they're eating. Can you imagine it? And he's like, oh, Peter, just come. Let's, let's have a little chat, right? Let's ha have a little talk. And he says to Simon Peter, Simon, verse 15, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? What are these? Was it the fish? Was it the other disciples? What was it? We don't know. But he's asking him, do you love me? And he says to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. Now, Peter, we know he's called to be the rock of the church or the rock is founded on Christ and he's going to be used right to point people to christ so jesus is encouraging him to to feed his lambs by the way any shepherd that's the job just feed god's word take people to the truth of jesus christ but it's really interesting because 
the word love, and you've all heard this, I'm sure if you haven't, be encouraged. But in Greek, there's more words for love than just our boring English language, they say. And you know, there's agape, there's eros, there's philos. Those are just the, the three big ones. And agape is God's unconditional, amazing love. Philos, like Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, it's more affection. And eros is the more um, erotic or romantic love that a man and woman would have for each other. And when Jesus says this to Peter, he's saying, do you agape me? And he says to him, yes, Lord, you know, and your Bible might have a little point here. Mine has a little too. He says, I philos you. Do you love me unconditionally? Well, I have affection for you, Peter says. Well, in verse 16, he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you agape me? And he says to him, yes, Lord, you know that I philos you. And the little mark in my Bible is there again. And he says to him, tend my sheep. Be a good shepherd. Feed them, but take care of them. So a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him, the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. It's interesting this third time. Jesus asks him, not do you agape me? He takes it down. Do you have affection for me? And this probably hurt Peter, right? And he responds, yes, because it's enough. Why three times? And what can we learn from this? Obviously, I just love the picture of Jesus again. And he always wants us to bring us into this agape, unconditional relationship, how we love him. But he always meets us and comes down to where we are. Do you know that? Well, how can we say this, Pastor Dan, the rest of the Bible? And we just went through 1 Samuel. Do you remember Jesus didn't want them to have a king? Remember that story? And they're like, no, we want to be like the other nations. And he says to his prophet Samuel at the time, okay, let him go, right? They can have their king. It's not going to work out that great for them, but we'll allow that. And God, in his grace, would still work with them because through the kingship of David would come the line of Jesus. I love it here that often we can look at Peter and be like, oh, Peter, yeah, look at you again. You can't even agape the Lord. But yet Jesus is not going to give up on him. He's going to meet him where he is. And then through later on the power of the Holy Spirit, he's going to bring him up. I love the patience of God with us, don't you? Aren't you glad that we serve a patient, loving God who will take us up and meet us in the midst of our failure again? Same thing. And desire for us just to come to him because he says in verse 18, most assuredly, I say to you, 
when you were younger and girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. And this he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God, that being Peter. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, what does he say? Follow me. All the way back, Luke 5, depart from me. Jesus says to him, follow me, I'll make you a fisher of men. Here, Peter, do you love me? I do. <laughs> I can't agape. He comes down to him and says, listen, as you get older, your life, it's not going to become about you. It's going to become about me and you're going to suffer and be persecuted. But he says, follow me. Be with me. Remember, be my disciple. Be with me. What about you this morning? Where are you? Where are you? Because I believe through this scripture, Jesus appears to us again. And he says, follow me. I find it interesting, but how would we agape the Lord? How would we be different than Peter's philos? How can we go beyond and be taken deeper into an experience where we can actually agape God? Well, it actually tells us in the New Testament, in John 14, 15, you might know this scripture, but it says this, if you love me, what do we do? Anyone finish it for me? If you love me, you will keep my commands. Okay, what's the word for love? If you philos me, keep my commands. Uh-oh, bad news, folks. Being the disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ certainly is living in his love. But I love the balance of scripture. Because if you want to agape God, do what? He says, hello, <laughs> hi. <laughs> we love the first part of this sermon, but we need to apply. And the journey to agape God is in simple obedience to what he says. That's scripture. If you agape me, keep my commands. Do what I say. Because I love you, I agape you, and these things are good for you. So love me back by doing what I ask of you. To take it from affection to real love is simple obedience. I'll tell you, I'm trying to agape God and give you a little example. I'm trying to agape my wife but there's things she asked me to do i don't really like and to be honest if i only had a little affection for her i'd be like you go do it yourself especially when the dog doo-doos in our room your dog clean it up no we did it together or take the garbage out or what it is if it's just an affectionate relationship no <laughs> But just think you take it deeper and hopefully just a little worldly example for our spouse. Aren't we willing to do things that we're not willing to do for those who are just kind of friends? 
Or think of your children. There's stuff I do for my kids I probably won't do for you. I, well, I hope I would, okay? <laughs> I'm growing. But I'm just trying to show you, as you recognize and live in agape, yes, God, I want, I love you. It's more than just affection. I want to do what you say because I love you. And why do we love God? Because he first loved us. Why do we love Jesus? Because he obeyed God and came to this earth to die so he could appear to call us to his forgiveness and say, follow me. Finally, just to end our story, Peter turning and saw that disciple whom Jesus loved. There he is again. <laughs> John, following at a distance, whom also leaned on the breast of Jesus at the Last Supper. And he said, Lord, who was the one who betrays you? Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, but what about this man? What about that John? Who thinks that you love him more than anybody else? Like, what about him? And Jesus said to him, If I will that he remains till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Then this saying went out among the brethren that this disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him he would not die, but if he will to remain till I come, what is that to you? By the way, John did live the longest of all the disciples, lived quite to an older age, but it doesn't mean he would live forever till Christ would come back. It's in our text. But what do I want to point out as you're following the Lord Jesus Christ? There's a little bit of a danger as we're obeying and living in his amazing love to look at other people. Okay, hello? We do this a lot. We love to look at other people, and you might say, I don't do that. Yes, you do. Sorry. To some regard, you do. To say, well, God, what about that person? Either they're an idiot and it seems like you're blessing them. Or, why, do they, why does that good happen to them? Why are their kids okay? Or why do, why do they get the job? Or why do they seem more spiritual? Or why, you know, just even, you know, the parable. Like, I've been working a long time. And like, I just came in and gets the same pay. Like, What's up with that? Jesus knows our heart. When you're following me, it's not about anybody else. You follow me. Marriages. Don't be looking at your spouse's relationship with God. You follow me. Siblings, don't look at each other. You follow me. Don't be looking anyone at church. Oh, Pastor Dan. No, it's not about Pastor Dan. You follow me. What does that mean? We've described that. Living in the presence of God, his grace, his fullness, his love, in the midst of your failure, and simply obeying him. You follow him. This worked a little bit for me. I was a little disappointed. Friday, 
I was listening to different commentaries, and some weeks I lived from different people, and I had, in my early adult years, there's a speaker I really liked, and so I go, like, oh, I'll listen to him on this, and I wonder what he says, and I turned it on, and was listening a little bit, and then, you know, Google just tells you all sorts of junk, some true, some not true, but the reality is, there it is, this fella falls in sin. And I just, I'm just sick and tired of hearing about pastors falling. And I really respected this guy. Almost like a little bit of a hero. Like, oh, man, look how he led his church. And look at that. And it's just nonstop these days. More than I've heard whether these famous or unfamous people just not finishing well. And I'm just, like, shaken. And I went for a walk with Amy and telling her about my sermon. She's like, well, don't you see it? See what? Your walk is not their walk. God is saying, you follow me. I'm not this guy. I'm not that guy. Good or bad. I want to be with Jesus. And his commands here to Peter about John and to us this morning are simply this. You know, we love to idolize as human beings, other people. And I do it, but I hear it all the time. Oh, I remember this fella in there. Oh, this fella was so great. Or this was so great. Or even when we used to go back to church, I remember, oh, remember that church. And I think in my own mind of churches I've been to. And yeah, that's great and all. But that has no bearing on today and my relationship with God. And your relationship with God. And if they love Jesus in an amazing way and were an example, great. But you follow him and do the same. And if it's negative... You don't have to fall into that. I do not have to fall in that junk. But I can follow and look at the Lord Jesus Christ. Because remember how we started? This discipleship business is not about us. Not about me. It's not about you. It's about him. Three times. Luke 5. Follow me. John 21, follow me. End of the chapter, follow me. We minister through discipleship. Doug sent me a little email to confirm my message for today that our job as Christians is to go and make, not converts, God will do that, is to make disciples who follow the Lord Jesus it's not about the numbers of how many people get saved. It's the number of how many disciples are growing to be like Jesus. And my experience is, if someone is growing to be a disciple of Jesus and being with him and obeying him, look out. That's the ultimate evangelism program. It's not a concert. It's not pamphlets. It's not a booth. It's people 
who are following the Lord Jesus Christ. Because when you experience his love and you're simply obeying him, man, you got to tell other people. And there is nothing like a group of people who love Jesus following him. It's just like, you got to tell somebody. You got to tell how great he is. Because we're looking at him and no one else. Lord, help us, right? It's a challenge for all of us. But I want you to know, he's always pursuing. And even if you're just kind of going, <laughs> going your way, he's always inviting you. Oh, I'm with you. I'm calling you back. I love you. I blew it, Lord. That's okay. I didn't, and I died for you. Come, be with me. And in his presence, there is fullness of joy. Amen. So thank you, Lord, this morning for your words. We simply want to follow you, whether we've blown it last week like Peter, and yet you appear to us, we come to you this morning, whether we needed the challenge to simply obey you, we're so thankful. Whether we're looking at other people, your call to us is simply to follow you. Lord, we don't know what the future holds, but we know who's going to walk with us. And we cast our eyes on the Lord Jesus Christ this morning and who you are, your character, everything you are. May we be encouraged this morning. And we look at Jesus now as we're about to take communion. We examine our hearts, but not to focus on ourselves. We do it to look at Jesus and to see forgiveness, to see love. Are you worthy to take communion this morning? The answer is yes, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, because he was the worthy lamb slain for you. This morning, don't look at yourself too much, but cast your eyes on him. Sense his love, his presence. Know he was broken, that you would be healed. And as you believe that and understand the new covenant, you have a newness of life. And we're here this morning to be encouraged and exhorted of who he has made us. Not of who we have made of ourselves. And so this is a time of great celebration. And we examine, are we in? Are we trusting? And if we've gone astray, we listen and respond to the invitation to come back to truly believe and live in the love of Jesus. May this be a wonderful time of worship. And if you know there's things that are not right, confess them and live in what he's done, forgiveness for you. May we be filled in this moment as we look at Jesus with his spirit. As we learned last week, so we can walk with Jesus. Stefan's going to come. The elements are in the back. I just encourage you prayerfully, considerately. I, 
I don't really want anyone leaving. It's not time to go to the bathroom. Be respectful of each other. And may this be a holy moment as we remember the Lord Jesus Christ. As you take those elements, hold them. And when we're done singing, we'll partake together. He became sin, who knew no sin, that we might become His righteousness. He humbled Himself and carried the cross. Love so amazing, love so amazing. Jesus Messiah, the name above all names, a blessed Redeemer, Emmanuel, the rescue for sinners. The ransom from heaven, O oh, Jesus Messiah, the Lord of all. body the bread, his blood the wine, broken and poured out all for love. The whole earth trembled and the veil was torn. A love so amazing, A love so amazing. Jesus Messiah, the name above all names, a blessed Redeemer, Emmanuel, 
the ransom for sinners, the ransom from heaven, oh Jesus Messiah, oh Lord of all. All our hope is in you, all our hope is in you, all the glory to you, God, the light of the world, all our hope is in you. All our hope is in you, all the glory to you, God, the light of the world, oh Jesus Messiah, the name above all names. A blessed Redeemer, Emmanuel, the rescue for sinners, the ransom from heaven, oh Jesus Messiah. The Lord of all. We worship the Lord Jesus Christ this morning. Again, we we do examine. But we look at Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You see our failure and our junk. You died for us so we would be free. And this morning, we remember, we give you thanks. Holy Spirit, just come in this moment. And remind us of what Jesus has done. That we are free. Your body broken for us. You gave thanks for the bread. Knowing, knowing what it meant for us. And we give you thanks. Let's take the bread together. Your blood, the new covenant, I will remember your sin no more. As we believe and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
He has taken our sin and has given us His righteousness. Believe and claim that. Receive it for yourself this morning. And understand (laughs) that the person beside you believing it is righteous as well. Not because of them, but because of Jesus. We all who trust in Him, believe in Him, are new creations. Let's take the juice together. Want to sing that one again? (laughs) Let's sing again. Let's stand and worship the Lord. And then Stefan will just close us in prayer today. We'll do it a little different. He became sin. He became sin Who knew no sin That we might become His righteousness He humbled Himself And He carried the cross A love so amazing A love so amazing Jesus Messiah Oh, Jesus, Messiah, name above all names, a blessed Redeemer, Emmanuel, the rescue for sinners. The ransom from heaven Oh, Jesus, Messiah Lord of all His body, the bread His body, the bread His blood, the wine Broken and poured out all for love. The whole earth trembled and the veil was torn. A love so amazing. A love so amazing. Jesus Messiah. Jesus Messiah. The name above all names, O blessed Redeemer, Emmanuel, the ransom for sinners, the ransom from heaven. O Jesus Messiah, Lord of all, all our hope, all our hope.
hope is in you All our hope is in you All the glory to you God The light of the world All our hope All our hope is in you All our hope is in you All the glory to you God The light of the world Jesus Messiah Oh Jesus Messiah The name above all names Oh blessed Redeemer The rescue for sinners The ransom from heaven Oh Jesus Messiah Lord of all Amen God, thanks for this morning. Thanks for, um, thanks for your word. Thanks for, um, yeah, the examples that you've given us just in the Bible of your love for us. And, uh, yeah, just through the example of Peter today, just helping us understand really what it means to follow you, God. I pray, um, yeah, each day as we, um, as we pray, as we hear your word, read your word, that, um, we would just be able to to grow more in you, to be able to understand your love for us more, and uh, to obey your commands. And pray that you just make us all um, growing in our in our following of you. Pray this in your name, Amen. So long.